0: This is California Now, a podcast produced by Visit California. I'm your host, Soterios Johnson. Tony Hawk! Tony Hawk! Tony! 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 Hawk! 900! 900! I'm not sure I've ever used words like ripping, shredding, or sick in an intro on this show before, but there's a first for everything, like the first time a skateboarder stuck a 900-degree mid-air rotation that's two and a half spins at the 1999 X Games in San Francisco. Tony Hawk, everybody! That same summer, Tony Hawk's name appeared on the first of what would become 20 incredibly popular skateboarding video games. And in the decades since, Tony has kept ripping in 2021, he was a commentator in Tokyo for skateboarding's Olympic debut, even testing out the course and catching some air himself. Now, the San Diego born skateboarding legend is here to talk about the sports evolution and everything he loves about the Golden State. Welcome to California now, Tony. Thank
1: you. Thanks. Good to be here.
0: You know, it's a real challenge deciding where to start this interview because there's so much we could get into. But let's begin with your recent appearance on Saturday Night Live. How did that come to pass?
1: <laughs> I got a call on Thursday evening. I was actually, I live in San Diego, but I was in LA doing some podcast stuff and uh i got the call thursday evening They said hey saturday night live has written you into a skit can you make it there by saturday morning <laughs> i said yes and then tried to figure out all the logistics after that i drove to the airport in the morning flew there made it did the show and then flew back on sunday and then drove home <laughs> it, was a, <laughs> it was a wild weekend
0: it sounds like i mean for people who haven't seen it you you basically you appear alongside the property brothers as a miss universe judge at a miss universe contest um with no volume control i mean it, it was kind of pretty random right i mean
1: well it was it was a parody of i don't know if anyone's seen the miss france clip but there was sort of this viral clip of, of miss france yelling france at the top of her lungs <laughs> in a very strange way that was legitimately from miss universe and uh-huh. then that's where the whole thing started
0: Oh, that is so funny. And I saw online that you took uh, pictures with Aubrey Plaza and Amy Poehler and a a bunch of others. Did you stick around, uh, you know, for the after party or did you just basically get back on the plane and come back to California? I
1: did. I was I was at the after party as late as I could be there. And then I had to catch a flight home at 6 a.m. So um, it was sleepless, but it was worth it.
0: Did you ever imagine yourself like ever ending up on Saturday Night Live? No,
1: never. No, I mean, I've been watching it since I was. Very, I mean, I saw the original cast when it was live.
0: Right, right. How amazing. That's so cool. You know, California was, was central in the early evolution of sidewalk surfing. I, I know the earliest days of that are before your time. But can you share a bit of that history for listeners who aren't familiar?
1: The legend and the history of skating is such that it was sort of born from surfing there are differing accounts of, of who was the first one to take apart roller skates and nail them onto a two-by-four to make a skateboard. But what we saw through the evolution of skate skateboarding was that it was surfers that were trying to emulate surfing on the sidewalk when the waves were flat. And that's that's how it started. Um, and the, the drought in California in the 70s was the catalyst for these surfers to skate empty swimming pools because they look like waves.
0: I mean, other than other than those kind of two things coming together in the early days of it, I mean, do you think there's something unique to California that made it the place for skateboarding for so many years?
1: I think the weather played a big part of it. I, I know that growing up, I grew up in San Diego and there was a skate park close enough to where I live that I could, I could go there a couple times a week. And I didn't realize until I got to travel later on how lucky we were with the weather. And so you could skate year round. I went to other places with outdoor facilities where they had to shovel snow off of the, mm. off of the the terrain. So, um, I think that was a big part of it. And the fact that it's surf culture here, especially Southern California and that is where skateboarding found its its uh, style.
0: Right. You've spoken in the past about how you know, early in your career, not everyone was a fan of your style and, and you didn't fully believe in yourself as well. I mean, I think it's safe to say you've overcome that, right? So could you kind of talk a little bit about that journey? I
1: started skating as it was sort of in its decline of its first wave of popularity. And I was very young and and the the skaters that were established at the time were generally older. When I say older, they were like late teenagers, maybe early twenties even. Mm -hmm. And they were all very much about their style. And it it was more like you had to look like you were surfing. That was the cool way to do it. I didn't have that strength or that experience to be able to do these tricks that I saw these uh, older skaters doing. So I kind of developed my own way of doing it. It was basically a technique that I created where I would I would do the ollie. I didn't invent the ollie, but, but I would do an ollie coming out of the top of the pool so that I would only use my feet to lift my board in the air and then I would grab it with my hand once it was in the air. That had not been done yet. Mm. Generally, when people were trying to do tricks in the air, they would reach down and grab their board before they even got to the the top of it, effectively killing your speed. That'll only take you so far. Once you launch it with your feet, you open up all kinds of new possibilities with how high you can go and how you can grab it. I did it mostly because I was desperate. (laughs) And so I figured out this technique, the more experienced skaters at the time. Well, for one, they said it was cheating. The other, the others said it was like a circus act because I was twirling my board around as if it were a baton. But to me, that was my progress. I was learning how to do these new maneuvers. A lot of them hadn't been done yet. They were uh, they were not appreciated at the time, but it was the only way I knew how to do it. Mm. To be shunned from such a small community felt very isolating.
0: I mean, would you say that your style has really kind of become the mainstream now? I mean, have you kind of like you know made the evolution happen? I wouldn't say the mainstream, but, but I
1: think that the um, focus and the directive for doing new tricks is definitely something that is much more celebrated now and, and definitely something that most skaters choose to do. Doing all these into airs is just the, that's just the way to do it now. There's no question. Like I'm, I'm literally, I, I am right now in a room behind my vert ramp and I'm watching two people skate that are ollieing into their airs every time. <laughs> that's, that's what's <laughs> happening in my eyesight as I speak to you.
0: Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> you appeared on a YouTube series called Do a Kickflip not that long ago. A kickflip is where, for people who don't know, the skater makes their deck do kind of a midair barrel roll. And the idea is you you go around handing out prizes to anybody who lands one. Here's a quick clip. I see two kids skating the curb right here.
1: Do a kickflip!
0: Look it, right on
1: on cue, yes! See that? That was
0: sick. So, I mean, that had to be a lot of fun. Was it a surprise that so many people were ready to, to land a kickflip on demand? Yes and no.
1: I think that if I'm looking back at my history with skating and that I I remember kickflips being invented sometime around 1982 or 83, and it was still something that very few people could do. To think that you could just yell it out at a random kid on a skateboard now and they'll probably do it. I think that to me is just shows how far skateboarding has come, but it's also also still very surprising. That concept, do a kickflip, had already existed before I hosted it. It just happened that when I did it, it kind of blew up because we had we had a lot of success <laughs> with our with our day out. And <laughs> um it was fun. I mean, that was, you know, that, that like I said, it just, it just is an example of how, how evolved skateboarding is and how, how much it permeates mainstream culture
0: to find kids out skating on the street and they can do advanced tricks. So what advice do you have for young people today who love skateboarding and dream of going pro?
1: First thing is that you always want to keep challenging yourself. You don't want to rest on your accolades with skateboarding you could be a flash in the pan very easily. So you've got to keep trying to outdo yourself and and not, like if if your only aspiration is to be rich or famous, then you get a taste of that, you start to lose your motivation. But if your aspiration is just to keep getting better, that's how you stay relevant. I, I would say also get outside your comfort zone. A lot of skaters will sort of focus in on a very specific discipline or a style of trick. That's cool, especially if you're doing stuff that's innovative, but you want to be more well-rounded because if you want to be a professional skateboarder, inevitably, you're going to get thrown into a situation that is outside your comfort zone.
0: Mm. We we started this episode with Tape of You landing that first 900 ever back in 1999. Since then, others, including a 12-year-old kid, have spun even further, all the way to a 1080. 1260 1260. Oh gosh, I, yeah. what was your reaction when you first heard that?
1: Oh, I was excited. I mean, that that is the evolution of skating and it, it will keep going. <laughs> you know what I mean? I I never imagined that was the the end all like I I learned I learned 540s um when I was a teenager. I learned 720s uh in 19 in 1985, I I did the first 900 in 1999 and um skating continues to evolve because each new generation sees what's possible, and that's the starting point.
0: I mean, skateboarding recently became an Olympic sport, as I mentioned earlier, and I know you were on hand for that in Tokyo. Where do you see skateboarding going from here? Um, I think more more international
1: recognition and participation. Um, and, and a lot of that is because of the Olympic exposure, but a lot of it is because we were finally people are starting to realize the, the health benefits to skateboarding, the mental uh, wellness benefits through for kids to be active and be, and do something that is in their own voice and at their own pace. I see now thriving skate scenes in places like Uganda Hmm. and Ethiopia Mm -hmm. and China um, and Thailand and uh, South America. And so, that's something that hasn't happened before. And I think it just, there's a tipping point for skateboarding where it's now here to
0: stay. Is there anything you hope to see done differently at the Olympics in 2024?
1: I, I, I think it's too close to add a new discipline, but I would like to see vert skating as a discipline in the Olympics because I do feel like it is truly something different than what you are seeing now in the games. When you see vert skating it's the high-flying moves. It's the spinning moves.
0: And you're only getting a taste of that in the park event. And, you know, the Olympics in 2028 are going to be in L.A., kind of like your home turf. So that's, that's pretty cool. I would say that
1: my, my dream is, is that we do a vert event at the 2028 Games. Right. So
0: are you going to get in touch with the Olympic Committee to see if you can make that happen?
1: Uh, I'm doing my part by uh, putting on uh, vert events. I, I I have a ramp that is portable, so I'm doing different events with my ramp and trying to raise the profile
0: and in turn, hopefully doing qualifying events. And you're keeping yourself busy in, in a lot of other arenas as well. I, I, you have a restaurant set to open in Encinitas this year. Uh, It's called Chick and Hawk or Chicken Hawk. I love the name. What can you tell us about it? I have been working with a friend of mine, Chef
1: Andrew Bachelor he started a restaurant here in carlsbad called june and jolie which actually just won a michelin star last year for their menu he and i through covid got to know each other and we started talking about our love for hot nashville chicken sandwiches Mm. and he said you know i think i I have an idea for a recipe and then he created this recipe and we said let's let's try to find a place so we have the location we're still struggling to get it
0: permitted but i do think it will happen this year that's that's great i i also hear that the restaurant's design will be inspired by 90s surf and skate culture is that right let's just say that there 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 is a a big ode to
1: the place i grew up skating delmar skate ranch um Mm. in its heyday okay oh
0: that's cool stay tuned right stay tuned yeah i wish i could tell you a date you mentioned june and jolie have you been there oh yeah yeah. What do you think of it? It's,
1: it's a great restaurant. It's one of the best in Carlsbad. I mean, uh, chef Andrew left there, but, um, there are plenty. I mean, I live in San Diego and there are in- amazing restaurants, especially here in North County.
0: So, you know, as you're developing chicken Hawk, I mean, I, I see that you've been doing pop-ups around San Diego. Is that kind of like a test run kind of thing? And it been going?
1: Um, it's been going great. I mean, it, chef Andrew has already has his fan base. So they are following around, but it also is just us trying to keep the awareness going
0: while we're stuck
1: in permit limbo.
0: <laughs> I saw one of the signature sandwiches called, it's called the Birdman after your nickname. Yeah. What does it have on it?
1: Uh, I mean, it's, well, it's, it, I think his sauce is what's unique about the hot chicken, but it's got the, the usual coleslaw and, and pickles and it's great. I would highly recommend chasing one of the pop-ups and getting there early because they run out.
0: Where is there like a website
1: people can, can find them on? If you follow the Instagram feed for Chicken Hawk. Yeah.
0: That sounds really great. I mean, there, there's kind of this recurring gag among your fans and on Twitter of people misidentifying you like,
1: oh, yeah.
0: Oh, your ID says Tony Hawk, like the skateboarder. Wonder what he's up to. And, you know, answer, well, this is, you know, is there, is there.
1: Uh, It's more, it's more that my ID says Anthony and, and somehow they can't make that connection. Oh, that's how That's usually what trips people up. <laughs>
0: Do you take kind of like pride in being both a household name and also someone who can kind of like blend in with the crowd at, at the same time?
1: It's kind of weird because that that whole thing of me sharing those encounters has taken on a life of itself. <laughs> and somehow people think that I'm complaining about not being recognized. I'm just genuinely sharing a funny encounter that I had. Like that was, I, I don't really care. Like if, if people don't know who I am, I don't expect them to know who I am. And if they don't, it's fine with me, but when they there's this sort of this sort of gray area of they they know they've seen me or they they kind of recognize me or they can't connect the name Anthony with Tony. those are the ones that I find humorous. The thing that is fun about those is that I'm not going to come out and tell them unless they ask, right And that drives my daughter crazy. <laughs> because there'll be some confusion. She's like, why didn't you just tell them? I go, they didn't ask. (laughs) They said, did anyone ever tell you, you look like Tony Hawk? And I said, yes. (laughs) Well,
0: listen, Tony, I I really want to hear about some of the, some of your favorite places to go to. So let's imagine I'm a friend from out of state and you're showing me around. So what are some of your go-to spots? Like it could be a favorite for coffee or breakfast, a quirky place, a fancy restaurant. You tell me. Let's see. Well, I live in, in North County, San Diego.
1: I would say coffee shops here, lofty coffee. Um, Pelly's Fish Market here is actually a place to buy raw fish, but their fish tacos are um, exceptional and, and kind of uh, incomparable. So uh, other than that, I, I love the beaches around here. Um, Carlsbad State Beach is not too crowded. You know, North County, Del Mar, Cardiff, Oceanside, Carlsbad is sort of the last bastion of of small beach towns here in California. Mm-hmm. So I love it here, being able to go to those places. I would say Balboa Park or the zoo if you're a real tourist, because mm-hmm. it's really cool there. Yeah, uh, and oh, actually, we took one of our sons for his twentieth uh, birthday to the zoo. Oh, that's really great! <laughs> Not too long ago. Huh? Yeah, and then uh, downtown is great. Um, anime restaurant i think is probably one of the best restaurants if not the best restaurant in san diego so what kind of cuisine is that and what would you recommend ordering there it's got korean influences but you know they do wagyu steak and um a lot of different uh fried rice dishes stuff like that so there's definitely an asian vibe to it but it's high it looks amazing it's high end too it's really great and then if you want just a typical San Diego Fair Roberto's Taco Shop, you can find one almost anywhere in San Diego, anywhere in North County. I remember that was my go-to as a kid, rolled tacos
0: throughout my whole life. Right. And we actually ate there on the podcast. We were we did a we went we were uh, we did a taco kind of tasting there and uh, it was really great. I mean, a little little kind of shack that you order and then eat right outside there, very informal but so so good. That's the vibe for sure. Um, But uh, but uh, I'd say
1: the high priority would be for anyone visiting. I would take them to the skate park and uh, Linda Vista Skate Park in San Diego is probably at the sort of premier park in terms of uh, size and variety.
0: So for somebody say you had somebody like I'm not a skateboarder, but, you know, it's kind of cool. It's okay to just kind of go watch people, you know, do their thing.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Or or if you're in LA, then go to Venice Park because that that's always buzzing. It's all and there's always good skaters there.
0: <laughs> so what what's another go to spot that you'd want to bring somebody like uh, who was visiting from out of state? Like you wanted to give them kind of the the North County San Diego experience. Like what's something not to miss? Ah, uh, Legoland. Legoland. Okay. Yeah. We've, we've, we've spoken to people there too. That's so great. It's very cool. Um, in fact, uh,
1: fun fact, I was the first one to buy an ambassador pass when it opened, uh, because my kids were right in that age range and they were all, they loved Legos. So I bought the first lifetime ambassador pass at Legoland, California, and they still
0: have it. Wow. (laughs) That's so great. What's your, what's your like favorite thing to do when you're there?
1: Well, my kids are older now, so they want to go on the roller coasters. So the dragon coaster is always a big hit.
0: How many times have you been there? Oh, t- too many to count. <laughs> Tony, you've you've lived in San Diego all your life, and you've raised your family there. What do you think makes it a great place for families?
1: Um, well, I think there are there's so many open spaces. Uh, there are plenty of activities you know, the San Diego, it's not like to go to the beach is not a full day outing. It's very much like we'll drive to the beach for a couple hours. We'll come back home. Places like La Jolla, Old Town, you know, there's just, there's plenty of, of other places to visit as well. And the neighborhoods are all very kid friendly.
0: That's so great. What's another like one or two, say I wanted to get like, you know, I wanted to go and get kind of like a Fancy dinner out some night? Like, what's your go to place?
1: I will tell you the best sushi in San Diego is, is Hidden Fish. Definitely book your reservations weeks in advance. You will not regret it.
0: And what makes it so special?
1: They have some of the best fish and they take great care in their flavors. And I think that the omakase chorus is like 16 pieces. And mm-hmm. they, I mean, literally they just bring you one piece at a time, but
0: it's great. Oh, amazing. So you can really kind of savor it and just yes. appreciate each piece yeah. one at a time. Where, Where is that restaurant?
1: Uh, that is in Claremont Mesa.
0: Great. Well, these are all really great recommendations. Uh, you know, there's one other thing I want to do before we let you go, though. It's called the California Questionnaire. And the idea is we go through this list kind of rapid fire style to get at what you love about living in California. And we've done this in the past with everyone from Kevin Costner to Cheech Marin. So are you ready for the California Questionnaire? Sure. All right, here we go. Where do you live and why there? Uh, I live
1: in Encinitas because it's still San Diego, but uh, it's near the beach and it's close enough to L.A. that I can get there in a reasonable time.
0: What's your greatest California love?
1: Uh, The weather.
0: (laughs) What's the biggest misperception about Californians?
1: That it's Beverly Hills 90210.
0: (laughs) What's the stereotype that most holds true?
1: <laughs> Yoga. <laughs> okay. Everywhere. <What's> your, Everyone. <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> yeah.
0: What's your favorite Golden State splurge?
1: Uh, a stay at the Post Ranch Inn in Big Sur. It's definitely a splurge, but it's very magical. Um, in fact, I think that the last time we were there, my wife and I were in the hot tub outside and some, a family of deer came up to check us out.
0: (laughs) Let's say it's time for a road trip. Where are you going? Probably
1: to Half Moon Bay to visit my brother.
0: If you could decree an official state culinary experience, what would it be?
1: Oh, wow. It would, it would probably be Mexican food. It's a taco stand vibe, you know, kind of like a Roberto's or a, Uh, Up here, we have Pavlo's and Rudy's. Any of those are going to give you the stereotypical Mexican fare, somewhat street food, but not quite.
0: Right. Where would you go for the ultimate shopping spree? I would say in and around Beverly Center. Best California song? Uh,
1: Beach Boys, California Girls, of course, always. (laughs) Why that one? Because he, he's, it's it's about traveling the world and just wishing that he could bring everyone back to California to show them what it's like here. <laughs> <laughs>
0: would you sing a bit of it?
1: Uh, I wish they all could be California girls.
0: Nice, nice. <laughs> how would your California dream day unfold? Like, how, what would you do to start? Where would you go? After that, how would you wrap it up? That kind of thing.
1: Uh, dream day would start, well you know, for me, it would be, it would be more board sports focused. So, um, dream day would start early in the morning, uh, with a sunrise surf session, water's glassy waves are good. And then this would be the super California dream. Uh, it would be in the winter time and then midday drive up to either mountain high or big bear and go snowboarding. Um, until before the sun sets, And then um, go to a skate park for uh, an evening session. That would be the surf, skate, snow dream realized. And there are very few places you could do that except California.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Tony, listen, this has been really awesome. Thank you so much for joining us on California Now. Cool. Thanks for having me. Tony Hawk is skateboarding legend on Twitter and Instagram at Tony Hawk. As always, we'll have links to all the places we talked about on today's episode and lots more on our website, visitcalifornia.com slash podcast. This is California Now. Thank you for listening to California Now. We hope to see you in the Golden State soon. This podcast is produced by Visit California. I'm your host, Soterios Johnson. You can find our show on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And check out the Visit California Instagram. It's the place to go for travel inspiration, tips from locals, and beautiful sunsets every Sunday. The handle is at Visit California.